1: This this the
2: pod you've always wanted to hear We are two guys that sometimes drink beer Say things that your mom told you to fear It's the bad, bad Hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply. So, while other companies give you too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Christian. And today's show is brought to you by Marriage Supply, the number one adult sex toy company in the world, according to Bad Christian's in the world and mainly just me and Matt go in there the right now Christian. <laughs> yeah go there right now no porn on the site and some really cool products we got some new products on there so go check it out all right what's up everybody we got some people here today Matt
1: yep we got Meredith and we got Mary Beth so Mary Beth's yep. been on the show a bunch of times now and yep. you know people seem to like it so let's keep rolling
2: yep. so we got Meredith hope it here. Stays that way uh, yeah we, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got <laughs> Meredith here and so Meredith I'll Went on your Facebook, because I was thinking, because we wanted to talk about therapy, counseling, and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to make sure I know what Meredith does for a living. So I looked on here, and it says, uh, and you got to correct me here, because something's a little off for me. It says, licensed clinician in private practice. And then it says, laughing my fucking, and I don't know what the T stands for. (laughs) It's LMFT, laughing my fucking... I don't throw. That's that, exactly what it means. That made me. That made me feel uncomfortable. I don't know what is. What does that mean? What is the T? Oh
0: man, you put me on the spot here. um Do you want the serious answer or the? I can't even think of something to answer.
2: Yeah, well, let's go with serious. <laughs>
0: um, it, it stands for licensed marriage family therapist. Oh, okay, so that makes therapist.
2: sense. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Okay. Also, wait. I also went to Meredith about, and I have some questions. Are you uh, sorry to put you on the spot here? Okay, here's what's cool. Uh, you studied at Drexel University, which uh, what was the name of our corral teacher at Winthrop? He went to Drexel, and he, he, he uh, Doctor Edgerton, Doctor Edgerton. He went to Drexel, and I always thought it was like a really prestigious, pretty amazing school. Like I looked it up because he was great. I mean, he he's like a music brain like no one other, and he was like kind of tough, and I don't know. Even though he's anyway, so very cool that you went to Drexel. Now, <clears throat> places lived. So you're in Philadelphia now. But then it then you go back to two thousand six, and two thousand six was a hell of a year for you. It says you lived in Jordan Amon, Jordan, uh rack, Jordan, Paris, France, and Geneva, Switzerland. You lived in all those places in two thousand six?
0: Correct. So it's called YWAM, Youth with a Mission.
2: Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that wow. makes sense. Wow, we have some friends that did that. How was your experience overall? We had some friends. I've had friends that loved it, and it was great, and even encouraged their faith. And then I had some people that like became atheists after.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, overall my experience was pretty great. It was it was pretty unique because in my little program we only had like four people, and usually those things have like, you know, fifty. So there was some things about that that was really awesome. I got really close to everybody, and I met some amazing people actually in Jordan. It really like. I still keep in touch with some of the kids that I taught English to there, but um, but there's definitely some things in hindsight that I look back on and I'm like, oh, that was kind of I don't know, like times when we felt pushed to like speak in tongues and stuff that I'd never right. done. And still don't really know if I believe that that actually happened.
1: But, yeah. It, uh, Meredith, I see you got a nice mic there. Are you sure that that's what's hooked to Zoom? I might hear your internal mic if you don't mind checking. And if it doesn't, that's fine. The way it sounds, but it doesn't. I
0: don't. Mind, I don't mind checking, and I can. I can. Would it be
1: better if I just unplugged it? If you just click on the that the little zoom thing there, if it shows your microphone, the if it's microphone on, it, it's fine. The bottom
2: it, left, there's like a little arrow beside the. Oh microphone. yeah, it says
0: built-in microphone. So I guess I should click on the USB.
2: on Yeah. It. Okay.
1: Thank you. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's a different Meredith. <laughs> okay. Okay, Toby, okay. start over again. What's the LMFT yeah. thing? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: laughing my fucking yes so
1: <laughs> I, I, let me introduce meredith from what i understand and know about her uh first of all when did you join the bc club you've been in this world uh and this is known as the world where marriage supplies the largest sex toy in the world right, in that yeah. world how long have you been <laughs> in the in that world
0: i joined in i want to say like early 2018 so i like joined right before y'all had the first con and unfortunately i'm i missed that but was that was when I got in the club and involved,
1: right after the first one, and then you were at the second one.
3: Yes, I was at the
0: second
1: yeah. one. Great. Yeah, and Mary Beth, did you go to the both?
3: Yes, I did.
1: You were at both. Excellent. Yes cool it seemed like so long ago and and, yeah. and and it's weird like almost nothing's changed since then yeah it's just yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, we virtually
3: were, nothing
2: <laughs> same old same old
1: <laughs> there was one there was the thing about the pandemic that was it was really weird because we were in the process of planning a BC Con at that time and it was not I mean we didn't want to it was it was after Joey had left and things were just didn't make sense almost yeah. and so we were thinking how are we going to pull off this right. at this time and how are we going to do this but we got it and we were working on it we had it planned and a bunch of stuff going but it was really in my mind like a big question mark of does this even make sense and then the pandemic happened so we kind of got out of it free without <laughs> without having to worry about it but now I'm feeling motivated again I'm going to totally redesign it and do it a totally different way like you know now I'm feeling great again so I guess sometime this year we'll, we'll put something together I mean live events now are going to have a whole new Specialness. So I'm not sure what our event will actually be, but I think there's definitely something to do. It's so,
3: going to be nice. one giant sponsored orgy by Marriage Supply. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it's going to be.
2: <laughs> that sounds.
3: I can see it now. That sounds
2: interesting. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Certainly. I think
2: yeah. uh, the thing that I saw at the last one was I just liked how everybody just would go hang out with each other, and that felt like one of the most important things. And I think we should that. That's one of the big changes. I think. More just everybody hanging out, having a good discussion. Whenever that was happening, like karaoke and just partying, having a few drinks and all that stuff, that was just so fun because it felt like everybody's finally in person. So you, I, I don't want to take away from that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Can I, I you think-
3: imagine being in the Dallas Con bathroom during a pandemic? Mm-hmm. It Just when you think it couldn't get worse, <laughs> it could. That stuff it in that bathroom might
2: have saved your life from COVID. It, yeah, it that was still <laughs>
3: Exactly. That's what made me as healthy as I am.
1: Uh and also, you know, there's for this year, if we do it, we could there's you know, I was one thing we were thinking is th- throwing some kind of event at Furnace Fest. That's the biggest fir- in-person event, so we're thinking about getting yeah. there early. And having some kind of mixer gathering or some idea like that on, on Thursday Hell night. Yeah. So we're looking into that a little bit. We don't have a venue or anything. Um, but I'm talking to the Furnace Fest people and stuff like that. So we're going to try and see what venues and things are there. And maybe we can have some kind of get-together and at least unofficial yeah. con-like thing. But I think a lot of our people are going to be at Furnace Fest. So I'm looking really forward to – I just think that event is going to be insane because
3: yeah, so we'll many agree. people
1: will be there to hang out. It's going to feel – it's going to be like – Hanging, you know how you hang out post pandemic and it's a little awkward a little bit yeah. mm-hmm. um it w- it's not gonna be then by, by the Absolutely time there's not. that much social energy happening at once, it will not be weird it's it's you know there' would be a critical density, I think, so I'm pretty excited about that well,
3: and like I feel like pandemic or not, there's a lot of people coming in for this that we've known for years but haven't met because we live at opposite ends of the country and we maybe weren't at the con or something like that like Mickey, for example, lives in Seattle, and I have known him for years and haven't met him yet, but he'll be there. Yeah. So it's like that. I feel like that already kind of stirred up the excitement. And then the fact that we get to see everybody in person after a year and year plus in lockdown is.
1: Something about our culture is really good at in-person events because we're a bit dirtier than other people, so it's just automatically less stiff or whatever. But when when Mm -hmm. our like even at audio feed the first year that was before BCCon or anything, everybody Mm -hmm. got together and we weren't even there, and everybody made a good seemed to make a good trip out of that. And so whenever the BC people get together, it seems like they always have a good time. So I'm very proud of that. Audio feed always
2: weirds me out because my we went to audio feed. And uh, we played there and did all that. And now that exact parking lot is where my wife works.
3: <laughs> no way. <laughs> the, right. I mean,
2: I I drive, I, I take her to work several times. I mean, I'm right there at Audio Feed all the time. Like, I mean, That's many wild. times a week. It's it's, it's so weird because I remember driving there, not knowing how to get there. And it's this place in Champaign, Urbana, you know, uh, Illinois. And now I live here and it's so weird that my wife's, job that's her parking lot for the hospital where she works and it's just so it's so weird and i was thinking i keep thinking like could i mean this is a dream but could we ever do something like that here like could we resurrect cornerstone for example would that even be possible could you would would like emory would we have enough pull with emory and bc to like rent that place out again and try and do like a kick ass like what how long did cornerstone was it four days probably Four or five days, some people would come and camp out. You know, I was like, man, yeah. I wonder how much it would be to call it, rent that thing and see. I guess you might, is it the Jesus people that ran it? I think it was the Jesus people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's like, it, if they still own it or there's any copyright stuff or whatever. But I was like, that would be really awesome if you could do something like that again. Because that's like serious childhood. You could do some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Pull some bands that haven't been bands for a while. Back yeah. I think y'all have enough know,
3: connections to make it happen. With tooth and person. nail yeah. and label yeah. and
2: all that stuff, that'd be pretty awesome.
3: Yeah. Hell yeah.
2: But I'm just shooting the shit here, Matt. I don't know if you've talked about this with or anything, no. but
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I know, I know all the people involved. But uh, you know, the, I see all that space as I think the fe- festivals will kind of come back in a way, but it's, it'll be less. It, there's something's going to happen with digital first communities and digital first experiences that then the bra- brands that are digital that then have physical stuff whereas the first generation of all that stuff was it would grew up around the physical like it, and it got bigger and then eventually it was online but i think in the coming future you'll see brands that are powerful then have festivals that have never been, they've been digital only for a long time right. and now they have a physical embodiment and yeah, i think right, you're right. even going to see whole cities form that way like where there's the communities that'll then descend on one location and make it organic you know i think it'll be more top da- inside out um than that than that because most of the festivals they all went they just all like the model got weird and they all when those festivals all started they weren't paying the bands and stuff a lot and there wasn't a huge economy like that and then eventually they get bloated where it's like oh festivals is where they pay really great and then they, right. all the bands are getting 30 grand and it's, all of a sudden they can't you know can afford do, it. can't afford it and and everybody wants to take less and nobody's going to go back and start doing it for free like they did at the beginning of cornerstone or whatever right. and this yeah. furnace fest has been able to pull a crazy lineup because it's everybody just wants to do it so nobody's i mean it's not probably it's not the greatest money in the world but who the fuck cares i mean let's go do yeah, it i mean it's you, be epic. Know, pay, i it's, don't tell them this but i would have gone for free <laughs> <laughs>
2: did y'all Mer- meredith uh, Marybeth? i don't think you did did when did y'all start going to shows like when did y'all start getting into like a scene or or rock shows or whatever because matt and i didn't go mm-hmm. in high school and all, like we didn't start going to rock shows until college mid-20s yeah yeah
3: that was probably for me i mean i think i maybe went to two or three concerts total before college and then once i was i mean out of my parents house and made my own money and stuff i'd I feel like I went every, like,
1: Dirty two vulnerable. a month or something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Before yeah, you for, made all your money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Before.
0: laughs> yeah, for me, it was definitely um when I first moved to California for college. So, I had a college roommate who was really into, you know, like, the emo scene and all that. And I hadn't heard of that stuff. I hadn't heard of that genre of music. And then um, the um where I went to school was also connected to Tooth and & Nail and Militia Group. Like, we had different bands that some of them went to the school or went to, you know, lived right around there. So I quickly got into all of that and, you know, it's never changed since. <laughs>
3: the rest is <laughs> history.
0: Yeah. The, the,
2: <laughs> the only concerts I went to before college, before my mid twenties was I was 18 and Joel Green, the original bass player for Emory wanted to go see Aerosmith in Columbia. So we went and saw Aerosmith and I was just blown away. It was like the most, cause I'd never seen anything like that. We're in the uh, basketball arena for the U- uh, university of South Carolina. And it was just insane. I couldn't believe it. Aerosmith. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Dude, it looks like a... <laughs> I was just singing all the songs. And, and, uh, that night. So we went, Joel was already in college. He was a freshman in college. Right. And then we had this buddy that but Joel wasn't 21 yet. Uh, but, and he had a buddy that went with us that was twenty one. And so we, we drove back to Greer and we we're gonna stay at his house at I think he was going to Furman or something like that. So we drove out to Furman in Greenville and uh he was like, Let's get some beer. And I was like, Oh my god, I don't drink, but I, I can't look stupid here. Joel's gonna probably and I was like, Joel, are you drinking? Joel's like, Yeah, I get and so uh, we he went the this is this is how funny because you don't know anything about drinking, you know, I didn't. So he got – this is a long story, I apologize. He goes into the gas station to get the beer. I'm like, oh, he's gonna bring it back. I bet you know he knows he knows beer, right? He comes back and we get the beer and uh, I start drinking it and it was just so awful. And I I just was <laughs> I was just trying to play it off and I drank one beer and then I just was like, oh, man, I'm really tired. You know, we got to get up early and drive back or something. And it was bush <laughs> bush yeah. the beer. Oh so hell! It was, like, it was like a twelve pack. It was like seven dollars or something. It was so awful yeah. that I I didn't drink beer again for a while. Because I thought beer is horrible. You should yeah. never drink it. It's the worst tasting thing in the history of the world. It was so bad. I mean, it was like just it was just so gross. And then uh, the other concert I saw was Jars of Clay.
3: <laughs> oh my god, I've seen them too.
2: And then I saw a DC Talk at the Citadel in South Carolina. That was all nice. you know when I was like eighteen or younger. That was the only three concerts I'd ever seen. Then we started. You know, we got into. At Winthrop And started getting into Like emo and stuff like that And we started seeing Like Deep Elm Records Is out of Charlotte And we started going Seeing some of their bands And there was a good local scene Hope's Fall Beloved was there uh, A few other bands So we kind of got that But I didn't have any I was always jealous Of people on the west coast Because they like Grew up with like A punk scene Or music Or or all that We didn't have
1: anything Yeah I I had only seen Michael W. Smith once At a college auditorium You know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Until we were in a band You know That was
3: Yeah I feel like I had an opposite experience from Toby. Like the only concerts I had ever been to were the big ones. Cause we have a, a, you know, the university of Tennessee's in Knoxville. So they have the big arena. And so only like super big names would come to this arena. So I saw like Hannah Montana. Nice. and that's probably pretty uh, cool actually and i saw the Cheetah girls <laughs> and those were like my two concerts and they were you know in this huge stadium and then when i started going to the smaller shows i was like dude this is fucking awesome like mm-hmm. i much prefer this and obviously the music's better so
2: <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. so funny thinking back to the i can remember going to circuses and i rode an elephant like at the Greenville, but that—that's probably illegal now, right? Like they don't do it that stuff anymore. It probably is, I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm thinking back to the '80s with circuses. It was probably terrible what they did to those animals, especially elephants, because you know
1: elephants are ultra right. smart, right? Yeah, they—they they have uh, yeah. Uh,
2: the uh, elephants and blue
1: whales have a their brain size compared to their mass is, I think, larger than ours. So we don't really know how smart they are. Shit. You know? But they, wow. they, they show up on an index of like how much brain matter for size that's like,
2: you know, above us. Yeah. So an elephant like walks up to me and goes, Oh, we might could communicate. And I go, I want to ride you. Yeah. And you're just a, a, <laughs> shit, a <laughs> p- piece of shit. Let me get on you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ride you around with these thousand people staring like at you. I think that's our
3: us. approach to most animals at this point, <laughs> larger <laughs> no. animals, anyways.
2: That's why we probably can't populate the universe because we'll just, we'll get to some planet and try and ride on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at that thing. That's cool. I'm alright let, let me get a picture with this <laughs> <laughs> Oh
3: my god Hurry, take a selfie Yeah,
2: I know <laughs> uh, So, Meredith, we wanted to have you on Okay, so I want you to explain a little bit about what you do first Because we want. I was just wanting to talk I was thinking about just therapy And what, like with COVID, we were talking earlier I'm certain it's changed a lot Because I bet the in-person stuff didn't happen But maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what you do uh, first
0: Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, um, you know, licensed therapist. I have my own practice and, um, now I'm working fully remote. So I was seeing people in the office before the pandemic and I've been online since then, and I'm going to stay online at least through the end of the year. Um, and, uh, but I work with individuals. I work, you know, with adults, so young adults through, you know, as old as you can get. And, um, I do primarily trauma treatment and emotion regulation treatment, specializing in something called DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. Um, so I, yeah, I've been working for myself has been, has been really great. I've been doing that for a couple of years now, but full time for myself for almost a year this summer.
2: Oh, wow. So, what caused that? Do you go, you, had you been wanting to do that or did COVID speed that up or what? Cause that happened during COVID, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think COVID did definitely speed that up. Um, I, the other job I had while, um, COVID happened was a great job, but I just couldn't keep doing both and, um, and giving it the, giving both jobs, the degree of effort and, and care that they needed. So, um, so it, it kind of worked out to just both myself and my former boss agreed to mutually part ways and it was on good terms, um, but it was certainly unexpected. I hadn't been planning that. Um, it just became a lot harder to, to work remotely um, because I was, you know, going through the pandemic as well personally, and yeah. then trying to do therapy in this way that I wasn't used to, didn't sign up to do. And felt initially like I was working without one of my, you know, five senses, you know, in a way that was like the best right. way I could
1: describe it. Mm-hmm. Tell us about dialectical th- therapy as how is that different than just regular. Uh, what would you what would you call the regular psychotherapy, just regular talk therapy?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so dialectical behavior therapy, it is a behavior therapy. So in a, in some ways, there's a lot of similarities with cognitive behavioral therapy. It does focus on, you know, changing behavior, changing thoughts. Um, but the thing that makes DBT different is there's a big focus on um, having a dialectical approach. Um, there's a lot of focus on validation and um, you know mindfulness, um, practicing acceptance. So there's like a a core dialectic in, in dialectical behavior therapy of acceptance and change. So we're really trying to help clients increase their ability to radically accept, um, a lot of things, you know, that might be interfering with their, um, being, as well as what to change that's, you know, quality of life interfering or life threatening. Um, so it really, it's a, it's a treatment that's, it's evidence-based it's very comprehensive, you know, if you're doing the true DBT, you're in individual therapy weekly or in skills group weekly and you get phone coaching. So, um, it's, yeah, but and it's, it's, a a, cor- it's
1: a branch of CBT.
0: Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's closely related to CBT, but it's different. And it was, it was developed for clients that were severely emotionally dysregulated that weren't responding well to CBT because it was missing that validation piece okay. and the acceptance piece. So the founder the developer um which it started in seattle she well she lives in seattle i'm trying to think if it fully originated there but it's based in seattle um she herself was struggling with a lot of these problems and then kind of from there it developed and she developed this whole new treatment um and uh, yeah so it's it's pretty intense i but i do love it
1: so it, it's a wild time to be in mental health at all but the uh You know, I've been following CBT as the form of therapy that makes the most sense to me. I don't do it uh, in any capacity, but when I read about CBT, I always think that's how you should think—the way they are telling you to think. Always, it always seems like yeah, that'll work. You know, like that, that approach of how to, and I don't know how to explain it, and maybe you can give Pete, because I don't know if everybody knows what CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy is, but it, it seems quite different in approach than I think what most people um, are used to, but I don't want to misconstrue it. But I, I re- you know, automatically kind of resonate with that. I'm curious about dialectical from there, but tell us what is different about CBT itself, behavioral therapies.
0: Sure. So, I mean, CBT definitely, it does, I mean, so it is a, it is a behavior therapy, obviously. I think it, it focuses more on changing the cognitive part. Um, so changing, I mean, sorry, changing the cognitions and then also changing the behavior, but it, it, for people that have lots of problems with regulating their emotions, um, it can feel invalidating because it's missing some of the like acceptance piece. So accepting, their, accepting the fact that they're a person that struggles a lot with organizing their behavior and um, regulating their emotions. Um, a lot of times people that are in DBT are highly sensitive and also very emotionally reactive. It takes them longer to return to an an emotional baseline. And they oftentimes come from like a chronically invalidating environment. So those two things combined transactionally can lead to this like severe behavioral and emotional dysregulation. So if they're in CBT, they oftentimes feel like they're, they can unfortunately feel invalidated because they're not getting the dialectical component of validating that their emotions and behaviors make sense, even if they're not effective. Let's and do we- an
1: example of that. So somebody might go into CBT because they are dysregulated in some way, but let's let's come up with an example way. What and then what would it be not validated and validated in that?
0: Um so let's say somebody is struggling with chronic self-harm behavior or and or urges and they go into CBT and there's a lot in CBT that's going to offer them, you know, uh Great support and that that's helpful, but um, it may and the not,
1: things it would offer though would be stuff like CBT would tell the person that's doing that's having struggling with self harm urges to do what?
0: Um, it might help, like work with them on uh, cognitive modification, so like ch- trying to change their thoughts, counter their thoughts, challenge mm-hmm. their thoughts. Um, it might try to uh, behavior activation, so like changing your behavior. Um, which is some of what's, it is really effective. And that is a part of DBT too, but what's different in, in DBT is we would also look very specifically at what's the function of that self-harm behavior and urges and validate that those urges and behaviors make sense and are valid in a way, in the sense that they're trying to solve a problem. They're trying to decrease, um, really uncomfortable and, and painful emotions. And, and it would also bring, here's the dialectic part. Um, that you need to change that because that kind of way of coping isn't going to be effective to having a life worth living in the long term. So it's that acceptance and change piece of like, I'm gonna validate that um when you're in that much pain, having those kind of using those behaviors is what you're trying to do to feel better and cope. You're not a bad person, but it's not effective for having a good life.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Matt and I have read that book by Trevor Moad, and he talks about being neutral. But he it, it talks about uh, looking at your validating that something bad has happened but moving past it and how how much the validation actually matters because maybe that's what you're saying with, like, CBD. It might help fix those symptoms or whatever, but you need validation that, wait, I'm I'm hurt, harming myself or I'm feeling this way mm-hmm. or I'm struggling here. Because something real, you are trying to solve a problem, and mm-hmm. like you said, so that makes a lot of sense. Because I think maybe a lot of times you, you, you get past that because you just want to get to the healing, as opposed to figuring yeah. out what what's at the bottom down there that's causing all this. I know right. I run from that stuff myself personally. So,
1: so right. is it is it less about figuring out why I'm? It's not I'm like this because my mom was this way and she did that. It's less of that. Do do you, do you specifically not even focus on that kind of thing?
0: Um you're right that it's less of that, at least initially there's different stages to DBT treatment. So stage one is really focusing on stabilization. So you're targeting, you're, you're picking certain behaviors that you're targeting together with the client, um, because it's, a uh, can't think of the word, but <laughs> it's like an approach where you're seeing the client as equal. So like you are, and you are the expert, yeah. but you're not treating the, you're not fragilizing the client you're really trying to empower them. So you and them, you and the client together agree we're gonna first target any life interfering behaviors because therapy's not gonna work if you're dead. We need you alive for this therapy. Then you target treatment interfering behaviors because there's all kinds of stuff that clients and therapists do that interfere with treatment, even if they're trying their best. Mm-hmm. And then we target quality of life interfering. And then in stage two, that's where you can go more into processing past trauma, um, things that are like things that are not as urgent as keeping you alive (laughs) because, you know, we we also need to make sure people are learning the skills. And that's another big part of initially it's very skills heavy because they need to have the skills for if and when they get dysregulated when looking at the past stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not about if I sort it out and understand myself well, and this person validates me and tells me I'm good, then I'll feel better. And then I'll act better. You have to actually do Oh, develop, yeah. Develop skills. And like. Yeah. But it, and is that because um, trauma, the tr- the trauma itself often derails a person's development in itself?
0: Sure. Yeah, it, it absolutely can. Um, and sometimes, you know, it might not fully derail their development. Sometimes it might just interfere with certain aspects of their development, especially, you know, related to attachment is a big one but even just, again, having the skills to tolerate distress. Um, some people don't learn those skills. Some people don't, I mean, most of us honestly do have to be taught them. And um, so DBT really, you know, goes in with the assumption that the skills need to be learned and generalized to all contexts in order for the person to decrease their suffering and then be able to tolerate the pain that they're going to, all of us are going
1: to encounter in length of time so if toby gets very mad i mean mad and he is unhappy because he doesn't like being super angry but yet he gets super angry Mm -hmm. what what's what skills does he what skills can he how can you validate him and what skills does he need to stop
2: yeah like if i come in and i say this (laughs) meredith if i go if you're in the if you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes oh to finding God. the right person for the role.
1: Dear God, yeah, <laughs> you know what just like, I'm That's all about. Angry Toby, you're gonna have to I fix that. Right and the only answer,
2: the skill that I need is to know how to go to ZipRecruiter. <laughs> I'm telling Jeez you guys, me. seriously, seriously, ZipRecruiter is just awesome. Uh, Y'all didn't see that coming at all, dude. Nope. I fell right into that <laughs> trap, face first. Well, well, we're talking about skills and stuff. There's not enough applicants right now with the right skills or experience for many jobs. You might be hiring. Uh, there's too many resumes to sort through. It might, you might be going through that. How do you choose the right person? That's why hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job uh, to some job board, but then all you can do is... Hope that the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash badchristian. When you post a job at ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It's no wonder why over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with too many options, way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Once again, remember to use this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com uh B A D C H R I S T I A N That's bad christian zip recruiter the smartest way to hire so if i come in there and tell you that you know i'm in, you know i'm angry and mad up. that people aren't using ZipRecruiter recruiter what would you do he flies off the handle every time people don't use <laughs> zip recruiter
3: <laughs> let me hop in here not about zip recruiter <laughs> but back to what we were discussing before like Um, I haven't been through these specific, like, CBT or DBT, but a lot of what you're saying resonates with things that I've talked about with my therapist. So um, one thing that I thought of, and please, like, correct me technically if I'm wrong. I'm trying to, like, recall, like, what my therapist has told me in the past. But as far as, like, trauma is concerned, my therapist always, like, explains the brain, like... Certain traumas create like pathways mm-hmm. in the brain, and they're reinforced with like repeated trauma. So, like if my one of my parents kind of reinforces that I'm not good enough, there's there's a, a an event that makes me feel that way, and then every like behavior or whatever after that just reinforces that pathway, and therefore, that's kind of where. I guess my, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for here? That's kind of where my behavior stems from as far as trauma is concerned. But I bring that up because we've done two different things. So my therapist has taught me like without going into detail about what the trauma is specifically, like how I can basically, like sort things out and separate them and work through them separately if everything feels too overwhelming. But then we have talked about things like, um, what you were saying earlier, Meredith about acknowledging that even though the behavior is harmful, like it does serve a purpose. And so like recently, um, specifically with me, there was a particular behavior where, kind of like a people-pleasing behavior. And basically my therapist said, like, you know, that served a purpose for you growing up as a child because it was kind of essential to your survival in your household unit. If you did not please your parents, then that would create an unsafe environment for you. That's what you learned as a child. But now you have to, like, remind yourself that you're an adult now and you you can protect yourself, and so you don't have to resort to these, like, people pleasing tendencies, even though that kind of trauma has created such a deep pathway in my brain, I kind of have to like, so we've been doing EMDR for that, which is a different acronym for you. Yeah,
0: no, that I love it. I'm trained in EMDR as well. And I do that too, although I haven't done that as much during the pandemic. But, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, EMDR is great for that and can be very, very fast acting as far as, you know, rewiring rewiring your brain like therapists talked about and desensitizing desensitizing your like the symptoms and emotional energy that goes with those trauma memories Mm
3: -hmm.
1: yeah trauma is like you know okay this is a bigger topic overall but trauma falls into it the pop psychology that we all have access to is just kind of mind-blowing and what its effects are i remember Th- hearing people talk about pop psychology and diagnosis and stuff like in the 90s, like, oh, oh, people trying to diagnose people and say that person's OCD or whatever, like, and it was kind of like people would complain about that a little bit. Um, But my gosh, has it exploded since then, it's like everybody yeah. speaks about their mental health and everybody else's mental health and trauma all the time. And it can't, it just strikes me that that has to have big effects in the culture, like how, you know, how that gets twisted up. But trauma itself, mm-hmm. I mean, how, like, how do we define, like, it just seems like everything's trauma in a way. And then when I think about, and I've talked about this before, if you look at the past and past humans, what they've dealt with, is it just everybody has just shitloads of trauma? <laughs> I mean, it's what it seems like now. I mean, when you really look at anybody's upbringing, you go, "Oh my God!" That like it doesn't take long to talk to somebody for five minutes and say that was trauma for you or whatever.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, no, I. Yeah. I'll I let you speak on that. You're more. Followed. I mean, how,
1: what do you? That's what I mean. What do you have as a definition of trauma? I mean, well, what, I was going to
2: read this. So uh, th- I, when I do my True Man events, um, I found Alice Miller. She's a clinical psychologist, and she wrote. It's kind of bouncing off what Mary Beth just said. Uh, she wrote several books about uh, child rearing and, and uh, child abuse, and she said, "When you were young, you needed something, and you did not receive it, and you will never receive it. And so, the proper attitude there is mourning, not blame, but mourning. She's saying mm-hmm. that the blame you were never, you weren't going to get it, and you will never get it, and you're longing for it still. Like, like you said, you pleased your parents or whatever, or like my parents, my relationship was volatile. Sometimes I'd be a mediator, even though I was really little." And young, you know, yeah, I mean, I would be that person. Like, that Wait, you know, everything. hey, it's okay. What? What about the i would, problem solving, trying to figure that out. You know, because my parents are arguing and stuff. She goes on to say, um, "It's a miracle that you're here." But the first thing you experienced and remember is that this craziness and a new world. Uh, uh, this that this is craziness and a new world, and you were uh, a miracle in a sense that there was a wild new uh, energy. You were a wild new energy. This that could do anything. You were full of potential. And then your parents come uh, get hold of you and go. They want you to be a nice little boy or a nice little girl or Mm -hmm. follow the rules or do all this stuff. And you're just this wild energy that's been born into this world, this reality. Here you are, this exciting, and your kids and your parents have to go. No, No, push that down. Stop it. You're too powerful. You know. Oh my God, unlimited potential and energy. No matter who you are. You know. I mean, a new baby it doesn't matter that all, all of them, all of them have a potential to do something. And so in some ways it does feel as if there is some trauma, maybe that even sounds too harsh, but some, some type of trauma, uh, where, you know, I can't fully express myself immediately out the gate. I can't, I can't explore completely. I can't be totally free. I can't. And especially, you know, like growing up in the Christian world and stuff like that, there's a lot of rules and stuff and and so I, I thought that was really interesting. What she said is there is something there right from the beginning that you don't get something that you even knew to hope for or want, even at a young age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Meredith, yeah. What's your definition of trauma?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would agree with all that Toby. Um So trauma, I would say it's, it's an event that, doesn't, it's not always something that feels life-threatening, um, or that is life-threatening, but it's usually an event that fully overwhelms your body's nervous system to a point where you're in like a fight flight, or freeze mode. There's, you know, more nuance that we could go into with that, but something to keep in mind is that one thing that might be traumatic to one person may not be to another person. Um, sometimes I'll describe it as like, big T or little T trauma. Um, and that, you know, each person can experience it differently. Um, I, I hear what you're saying though, too, about, it seems like in some ways everything's trauma. And I, I do tend to be, um, as much as, as much as I want to like, and am very supportive of everybody seeing what that means to them. I tend to be a little bit more conservative without before just saying like, that's trauma, that's trauma, yeah. that's OCD, that's, you know, that's great. I don't, I think that, that can thing. start to dilute some of the meaning yeah. of those things. Um, But again, that being said, there's, there's probably some things that have happened to me that profoundly affected me that to someone else, they would might be like, eh, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and then there's other things that, you know, that are, I don't know, vice versa, you could say. So it, it, can very much depend on like the biology of the person too. Like what's going to um, cause like an overwhelm or interruption. Um, with yeah. their
1: system. The overwhelm is an interesting way of looking at it. Um, or maybe the big T and little T is good, but it does seem weird to me that people just so, oh, it's not that they overuse the word because I have a more extreme point of view, but maybe we'll call it the little T version. But to me, it seems like it, Maybe like Toby's saying, if a child is born and it's this wild energy, they have to live in this fucked up world where you can be eaten by a lion, you know, destroyed by whatever it is. And and all of animal and human history there, it's a terribly dangerous environment. And so some things just got to be the way it is. So you come into this world in this really open way. And then eventually you have to be a fucking machine that's ready to kill you. Eventually to survive yeah. you yeah. so there's a, that's a process and that process is not getting everything you want for flourishing and that's not your parents fault that right. you have to you know mm-hmm. like you have to you have to get ready because we have school and you have to go to school and you have to do like you have to you know when you're one year old you're just an open consciousness and then you stuff starts possibilities start closing off to you and you become a A a machine that does less and less things. The problem of your environment. Yeah, and if eventually you're you're what you say is an adult, which means you're not really changing anymore, unless you actively seek to do so. And that's because of all the negative things in your environment have told you, don't do that, don't look that way, only focus on this, worry about this. So that developing a kid is to take uh, the open energy and refine it as little as possible, so that it can operate safely. And a lot of those events are traumatic events. In a little t sense Like if my kid was in the swimming pool Today, I'm filling it up with water And the the hose was in there Spraying around all like a snake And I want him to go in there and play with that But I also really need him to Be comfortable with the pool this year So I The the hose is all sitting around He started screaming and crying, it was cold water I was just thinking, that's traumatic And he's not going to go back In the pool if I don't get him out of there pretty quick because he's right. going to be scared as shit of a snake spraying cold water at him in a pool, and then he's not going to want to go in right. next time. And once he decides he, that's over, it's over, you know. And he can be opened mm-hmm. up later to that. It's a, a little t thing, but I'm just saying, if he had a big enough scare, no pools.
3: Mm-hmm. And I feel like that yeah. is me as an adult. <laughs>
1: But if you push him through, like, you can do it, buddy. You can do it. And then I push him in the pool, and then he at, there's a moment where he's about to – You know, later this year I'll push him in, and, and I'll think, if I push him too hard and he gets too much water up his nose and he really doesn't want me to, he's going to be scared of this, and this whole thing is gone, and I will have done something harmful to him. But if I can let him go, and he goes under, and he panics for a second and gets a grip, and then he gets back – it's okay – then that's not traumatic. That's, that's growth. And so that line is so small, it seems like. But that's what, like the things you did as a child that didn't work out and you got slapped or a bully picked on you or a teacher did this to you, that's, you close off to that. And I think of that as the little t Trump. Like that, you don't go try that. You never you stop developing those skills. You don't try that again. You know, if you get humiliated or whatever it is, you know, kind of thing. And that's different than a a more extreme form of trauma. But nonetheless, that's the process by which we just turn into regular people that don't deviate and try new things every day.
3: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I feel like I had a lot of those kinds of experiences, and that's why I am afraid of literally everything as an adult. (laughs) It was like just scary enough for me to be like, everything is fucking scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, But the targeted dialectical therapy and stuff, you can, you know, you can't reparent as a therapist, but you can target one thing, you know?
0: Yeah. You, you know. can target, you can, you target specific things. And as you know, the person learns some more skills and, and let's say they, they were self harming and they, they you target that and they stop doing that behavior. Then you could, you could go into more of the, um, some of the process type stuff later on in the treatment or, you know, maybe they do a different type of treatment that does like such as EMDR or, or something that is more like attachment based. Um, Like uh, that sometimes it's considered talk therapy or, or um, yeah, I don't know. I had another thought, but I lost it. (laughs) It happens all the time.
2: (laughs) Well, I was going to say too, uh, I think trauma is a tough, it, Just the word, because like, I just like coming up from South Carolina and just harder people, you didn't talk about your emotions or your feelings really. Like, everything was, it it was just more spiritualized in the family, in my family and extended family, and then church system and all that stuff. And so, trauma Mm -hmm. was always thought of as like physical, like some, oh man, somebody had some serious trauma, like they got in a car accident, you know. I mean, so trauma, the word trauma for me has always been real big. And then it's very hard, like, when I think mentally or emotionally trauma, I think somebody, really something bad happened to them. You know, they're molested or hurt profusely by their family or left or, you know, parents, you know. So I'm glad that you said that, big T and little T, in a way, because that makes a lot of sense because those little underlying T's, that happened It's not that it's like The most devastating thing In the world And you're not just You know World stopping In a moment But it's that embarrassing stuff Like me Like I, I mean Y'all know Y'all listen listening to this podcast For a while I, I feel like on some level I have a little bit of Body dysmorphia Or something like that And I can remember times Where it was just uh, I got made fun of For being fat Or we were on a school trip At the beach And I took my shirt off And I just definitely Felt uncomfortable And we I better not do this Or something and, and, and I don't And no And I don't even know if anybody was doing anything. Nobody was even making fun of me in, those in, in that instance or whatever. But I just felt vulnerable and weak. And what if somebody makes fun? What if they do make fun of you for being mm-hmm. fat yeah. or they think you're ugly? Or I mean, look at uh, Henry James over there. He's shredded. And there's Toby playing football, too. And, you know, this guy's diving, catching football. I was thinking of like shredded. a fourth
3: grade field trip. And I'm like, no, 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 no. you I'm as a fourth about, grader, we're no, talking about other shredded fourth graders. no, no,
2: no, 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 no. No, I'm thinking of like, like junior year or something like that. You know, sophomore year where I was just, I realized, oh, wait a minute. This is your body. And it, I couldn't, I didn't have enough skills to go, well, my, your body's fine. Or what are you talking about? It's not even that, you know, or, or whatever. And so I think that little trauma stuff, I think, it, is, uh, it, it helps me see it a little bit more clearly. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Meredith, right after Matt talks about uh, one of our other sponsors here, Tooth and Nail. Well, I don't is- want to talk about a
1: sponsor, but I was curious if Mary Beth and Meredith are, are fans of uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. You I- are? Yes. Well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they uh, they've got a <laughs> <laughs> they they put they're putting out a follow up to their 2010 zombie EP. Did you you Ooh. know that EP? I yeah. do. Well, this yeah. one's called Z Two, and it's a follow up to that. So that's what you need after a pandemic. A yeah. zombie it's record. A, it, it's For called Z Two. It comes out on May 21st, and we're gonna listen to a little bit of it right now. It should be fading up as we speak. You're listening to Termination right now. That's the first single from the EP. The band has merch bundles and tons of vinyl variants up now, both on their store as well as the Solid State merch store. The vinyl comes with an extended booklet, and each color variant is limited to 500 units. That's scarce, you know. you got to get it after that scarcity. Number five hundred units. You so you got to get one. If you love the first zombie EP, then of course you're gonna love this and listen to it. It sounds great. So pre-save the EP now and follow the band on Spotify if you hadn't
2: already. That's Z two May twenty first. The Devil Wears Prada. Nice work. Uh, Okay, so here's the question I want to ask: What you mentioned this earlier? What was it like for you mentally to be in the pandemic? And then have to help people that were probably, I mean, did, was it, was it worse for people on top of Like not only were you dealing with all the stuff that they lived through, but now they're isolated, you know, maybe, maybe alone, uh, maybe going through some really bad stuff. What was it like for you emotionally, mentally, and then dealing with those or helping your clients?
0: It was really hard. Um, I had to use a lot of coping skills myself, and you know, thankfully, I have an awesome therapist that I've been seeing for a couple of years. Um, and as being doing DBT, you're also on a consultation team, so I have sort of like um, other clinicians that we meet regularly, virtually, of course, <laughs> um, and support each other. So that helped, but it it was really hard um, because suddenly I'm having to do everything virtually, which is really not what I wanted to do. So I had to practice a lot of radical acceptance stuff myself. Um, even during sessions, sometimes I would just like open my hands up and, you know, like put them in front of me doing something, a skill called willing hands, where you just like position yourself in a more willing position can help increase acceptance. Um, but certainly, yeah, it, it was tough. Like not, we didn't know initially with the pandemic, you know, what was actually happening and how much of a threat was it? So, um, I think like, I think there was just a lot of anxiety around that. I know. I mean, I already tend to be pretty not great with having good sleep hygiene as many people in the club know. Um, uh, I just, so my sleep was all, like, you know, even worse just because of, I, I got really you know, following the news. And then on top of that, with all the different things that were happening later that spring with the, the protests, and then the former president that we shall not name. (laughs) Um, it was, it was a lot going on. Um, my clients also were struggling, you know, going through a lot of the same things of just their lives being upended. Um, at the time I was working with a lot of teenagers. So Many of them, you know, going through the whole like what's happening with school, senior year, events, things like that. Um, so there was a lot of grief and loss that started to come up quickly for people. Um, I've even had some clients that have lost parents this year, Mm. um, which is really sad, obviously. Um, but it was it was stressful um at times. And, you know, I, I reached a point where I had to take take some time off and it was really good I did because I really needed that. Um, but
1: is this, certain, yeah. Is this the worst, you know, is this the worst mental health year ever?
0: For me personally or for, for <laughs> not, the general population?
1: You, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the po- I mean, you know, I'm wondering how therapists are feeling this year. Like if the whole, it just seems like everybody's doing worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I've been a therapist since 2007. So I don't know how many Year's that is off top of my head. I, 14, no, not, well, whatever it is. Yeah, I've been a therapist for a long time. And I mean, this year was definitely, definitely stands stands apart. I mean, I wasn't a therapist. I was in college during 9-11. So, I mean, maybe that's kind of comparable in some ways, but I mean, then just, this was extended like this right. whole year we had one thing after another. Um, so I think, I think this probably was like the worst one I've seen yet.
2: Yeah. It felt so yeah. hopeless back. Like I was just, I can't imagine you doing your job like in March of 2020. Like it just feels yeah. like in March, early April, it was so scary. And you know, you didn't know what to do. We did. I didn't hardly leave the house. Yeah. And I, I just was like, cause there just wasn't any information and you're right. Like, 9/11 is comparable in a sense because this this force and you're scared and could there be another attack or something like that. But COVID differed from that because you could not even go see your neighbor. Yeah, the isolation. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it was like it wasn't a this other this place these terrorists from another country or whatever. It was like your neighbor might infiltrate your house and kill you. Mm-hmm. Is what you know is what you thought yeah. but to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, I, I well, remember. I jogging outside or something like that i'd just cross the street and i would hold my breath and all, like stupid stuff that i would do <laughs> yeah but i was just scared i was like what if i went for <laughs> exercise and came back and hurt my family or something like you it, it, I just it was no information to be had
3: yeah well yeah. on the topic of trauma too i've seen a lot of people phrase this pandemic as traumatic for a lot of people obviously in very in varying degrees like Obviously, if you lost someone close to you, then that's traumatic. H- having to be in isolation and just be so fearful of your surroundings is tra- is traumatic in ways like we've kind of all collectively gone through this traumatic experience together, and I mean it affects us differently but
2: i'm yes. I'm, wondering, I'm wondering mentally and emotionally what it'll be like for kids because i I think this has taken a lot harder toll on my kids than I realize. They seem pretty resilient and fine, and they're you know in certain ways they like not going to school as much and stuff, but I just feel like some of the connection they've just lost in very important years second third, yeah. and fifth grade i mean that's 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 years where I learned some stuff about how to interact with people. you know
1: how the like the people like our grandparents' generation that were from England or whatever, and they were they were in the war and stuff, and they're real tough grandparents and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, there'll be from this generation, all the people that experience, it'll be a collective trauma that makes them unable to whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'll be, it'll yeah. be, it'll show up on a mass scale somehow. Like in like all the Great of our, Depression. Yeah. So some something values, like we'll have some values that we all have for collective inability to deal with X as, as a group. Mm-hmm. And it'll show up in, you know, bad ways or whatever, eventually in t- in 20 years or something like that.
2: Right. Yeah, is, I think uh, that's true. Meredith, do you think counseling is moving to virtual? Like, I mean, is is virtual? Like you said, you might you're going to stay to the end of the year, but do you think more and more just because is has, it? What's the positives? Is just the the ease of it? You don't have to leave your house or, and meet in person, or I mean, is there more positives than that?
0: Um. Yeah. So I think Dan's the first part. I think for sure, um, it'll some people will go back, but not everybody. And I think a lot of people are going to do a hybrid um it's it's never gonna be what it was and I don't know that that's a bad thing honestly um, there's a lot of positives to um, virtual that you know the, certainly not all there's there's plenty of accessibility problems with virtual as well but there's some populations of people that it is more accessible for them virtually um there's obviously some of the health like risks that are minimized when it comes to like health, uh, risks or, you know, the COVID stuff. Um, some people are going to just feel like more willing to participate or access services when it's virtual or even like, um, I know there's, there's, but even before the pandemic, there were companies like Talkspace or BetterHelp that were doing, um, therapy that was already only online and was, you could do it through email or whatever. Um, that said, I still, much as I'm coming around a lot more than I was a year ago, I still feel like there's not yet. Maybe, maybe it's coming and maybe Matt (laughs) knows more about this, but there's still not the same exact feeling of being in the same room, like two bodies being in the same room together. And so that is something that was really hard for me to accept at first because I worked so much off of like just the nonverbal and the energy of being in the room with the person and and then also too, this the whole screen fatigue and being distracted um, has been hard at times. But I don't think that um, I don't think that it will not ever be virtual again. And yeah, party was going that way before the pandemic, honestly.
1: Well, I'll give you my tech take on it, yeah. and it is that <laughs> the fact that you can do it virtually is a really, really good thing for um, for people to get access to. Right. um really good but it's really bad for the career of the therapist because you know it it's a lot easier for a ai to do than mm-hmm. a human that's you know cause, i mean there's it cannot be that hard and i'm not being silly or underestimating your profession because it's infinitely complex however it cannot be that hard for if you, they can do those deep fakes of Tom Cruise and learn everything about speech and do chat bots and interactive bots and pass the Turing test or get near it or whatever it is to to be reading your biometrics over the screen and giving you custom scripts that really speak to you more deeply than a pretty well-trained human that got the basic credentials that's middle of their class type of thing. So at some point the the workforce of therapists may not be so needed is what I'm saying is you know and I'm not saying that's right necessarily around the corner but all the technologies to replace therapists with machines already exist and Facebook already is probably better at predicting things like suicide than humans are so it that it does it, the machines will have the ability to know even more quickly and with better accuracy what is wrong with the person or what they might be struggling from but i think before that you'll have you'll be able to combine them so you'll be using biometrics and data th- to help do therapy at some point i would imagine but right now it's it's therapists are on some kind of actual i think bubble uh, to worry about in the same way that like they have the same problem that maybe Cops and teachers do in that we need a millions of them, <laughs> and we don't have millions of the most talented. You know, it's the most important job in the world what a teacher, cop, and therapist do, and we, you know, we have relatively average people. But the needs for and what we the resources we have to put to it is not enough. But you know, there's people that can help people outrageous, like super talented people, and they're you know they're worth a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Of course, you know, but we can't have a million of those. There aren't a million of those, and we need a million of those. Or everybody needs one. I think every kid could use a two hundred thousand dollar a year specialist assigned directly to them, and so could everybody with a mental health problem. And it would help a lot. But we can't afford to do that. We don't have that many talented people. So, you know, that's the opportunity for the tech to, to, to jump in there. Yeah.
0: No, that's really interesting. I hadn't even thought about. Well, I mean, I definitely thought about the, like, AI in general, but I hadn't thought about how that could eventually eclipse more of the human role in the field. Um, it makes me wonder, like, I, I wonder how the, the client would respond if they didn't know that they were working with, you know, like, if the if the, if right. the robot passed the Turing test, and the I don't know that you could do that. Ethically. Well, they you might, but they
1: might prefer, prefer it is what I'm right, saying. Right. Why, would, why wouldn't they, you know, if it's cheaper and
2: better, why wouldn't they well, I was going to say first the, first, the first, the very first thing I think that would probably happen, I think, uh, would be just regular doctors. Like I went to the doctor mm-hmm. and I did a physical and it wasn't anything. And if I, I would probably choose to go to an AI Doctor, right? Why wouldn't that, you? That would immediately read my body and go, "Oh, well, this is what's going on." We know this. You do need to get a. That's a, a what you wish you know? your doctor was. Yeah, I, you I went, wish he fucking <laughs> knew something, right? Because he pushed my, he's, he held my shoulder <laughs> yeah. down and said, "Lift <laughs> up," and I went, and I was like, "He's like, okay." <laughs> I, was like, no. <laughs> I was like, anybody could have done that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, he's definitely educated, a good doctor and all stuff. But yeah. I mean, the physical that I took, he was like, you know, like he was like, eh, "Your lip note over here is a little bit swollen, but I think it's probably okay." <laughs> that's probably what, right. That's, that's what I said. My yeah, limp no, no, I that. Probably, probably okay. Yeah. I mean, but you know, so I, I do wonder what that'll be like. Now, here's what I would say about therapy specifically: there is something about being vulnerable with a human that is more like, for example, uh, some of the websites I go to on my phone are, might be questionable. You might make fun of me or or say, "What in the world are you doing?" On the, you know, or whatever it might be. There's stuff that I will tell this phone that I won't tell y'all in a way, I'm more relaxed or less, less, I don't feel as vulnerable that my phone, you know, even if it's taking pictures or listening to me, the other day uh, we went and looked at a house and there was a hot tub in the back. I was like, Oh, hot tub. And then an hour or two later, Facebook had hot tubs for sale on on there. And that, (laughs) that doesn't bother me as much. There's a little bit less vulnerability. I do think with therapy, there is something about telling somebody, even, I mean, just friends, me telling you, Matt, Hey, look, this is what's going on in my life. I'm really struggling. That connection will be, I, I wonder if that will be hard for some simulation, some AI to create that for you. Cause if you know that it is like you were saying, Mary, if you know that it's an AI or not, that, that, that'll get kind of wonky. I think uh, But well, then I mean,
0: again, makes me think of the movie her, like, right. He, right. Knew that, that, and, yeah. like
1: he knew that. Yeah. Like that'll work. That will work. I just don't, there's just no way that won't for work. Some, for, uh, it will work for some, but not yeah. for others, I think. Not, right, not for some. But, you know, if you go to a massage, they say you prefer male to female. You, you get to pick. It's whatever. You want a robot masseuse? If it's better, you'll take that shiatsu from them, won't right. you? I mean, it'll just be a service
2: at some but, point. But on some, on a certain level, you'll go, uh, you know, robot or AI. You don't actually know what it's like to be human. I think you're you don't over, know. It doesn't matter if the results are
1: there, especially not, not, in, the, in behavior. It does
2: If I if I think that, though. That's where yep, you yep, I think that's yep. if, if I the go choice is still this, there. This this AI doesn't know what it's like to to actually, you know, be a parent and struggle. You know what I mean? But my therapist knows what that's like when you have the baby so excited. Like we were talking about rich people, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle on the Monday Friday show this week. And like they seem like regular guys that I just think are funny and other but they don't I don't have hardly anything in common with them. They're super rich. You know, today we bought uh gross patio furniture out of this barn. And, uh, I've been on my hands and knees cleaning it all day, keeping clean, clean off cobwebs spots with this brush and soap. And I was out there for like hours doing this and I got something out of it. And AI I won't know what that's like to go find a bargain and, and me do something. And then I get to sit on it with my family while we eat a hamburger or something like, like rich people, billionaires, they don't know what that's like. Meredith th- is th- that is the personal shared
1: connection with the person Part of the medicine, or just a a, something that helps. Like if you can connect with the person, that's obviously helps. But you're doing dialectical behavioral modifications targeted in a way that the results are measurable, right?
0: Yes, yes. I mean, it is measurable. But I, I also, I mean, I, the way things are run right now, just it is true that the connection matters a great deal. But I don't know that. I mean, that AI couldn't eventually get to a point where it could mimic that enough to to um, be sufficient, or or even better. I just doubt that that would happen in my lifetime. But I don't. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't think yeah. it would happen in our lifetime. And if you knew that it was mimicking. The thing. You would go, Oh, it's just supposed to do this. Like Yeah, but 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 you're saying I want to
1: connect with Meredith and that's why I'm doing therapy. But they're saying I want to not freak out and lose my cool yeah, and sure. start crying when this happens. Who can help right. me? I tried this, it didn't work. I tried this guy, I didn't like him, so I thought I'd give the robot a try. Fuck. It worked. Right. No, <laughs> then he, I agree. Then he, I don't care if I fucking connect to a robot. My problem's a guy I can better. Yeah.
2: I'm saying I think it, it it will work for sure, and it'll you know it might even be more affordable. It'll just be some AI that's you know what I mean. You might, might be get, free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it might it be might. part of basic. It's
1: like what do you mean? I got I just talk, I do the but, I put on the thing okay. with the EMDR and my VR glasses, and the voice comes on like my meditation app, and I don't have to. It's not. It doesn't have to be this dramatic but, thing. Okay, you know? but how about like, it can let just let,
2: lessen the symptoms? Let me use you go example. great. Just like there's a I guess, I guess it's AI that can do mastering on your record, right? What is that called? lander lander right and it does a hell of a job but there's something about using a human that you go what will they do i wonder what how they how are they listening Depends to on this? the human what will it, it do it, i know you've it destroys heard bad ones.
1: most human masters but the best masters are still human at this time but they won't be
2: i don't know if it destroys most i don't know if uh, you've used most i don't know if you know most well masters. most
1: people that try to master their shit is I, horrible I th-
2: I think we've had a lot of masters that, uh, Some some masters that we we like We've only L-
1: used the best in the With world Troy Yeah, he's one of the best in the world All the people that you like and don't like Are amongst the best well, in the world maybe so
2: <laughs> Maybe so But I think there is something to be said for I mean, we don't We How many times have we used Lander? We, I mean, we use it mostly What about our last record? We use Lander? That's yes what, Oh, well, shit Well, yeah We're, we're fucked <laughs> it's, it's over Yeah well, I'll be a. There pet goes your
3: point, to Toby. A ro- I just I'll saw I'm using to a, a human
2: robot. now. <laughs> I'm using
1: a human now, but we uh, some Why of our. Why are you using are. a human overlander? Because I found one that is better and cheaper. But there's humans that are better than lander, but they cost so much more that we go with the computer. But now I have found somebody who is more reasonably priced, who I think has the edge
2: on the computer, and so I'm happy. But very happy. Saying, like, it makes
1: like, me feel better to go
2: with the human. Trust me. That's what I'm saying. And there's some nuance to it. The same as the the chess. Thing or, or the go, the computer can win those, but there's no nuance or uh just excitement to your, it. It's just, it's, it literally is just becomes it, go, it goes all the way down to just numbers, ones and zeros, and that's it. There's no emotion behind it. There's no uh, joy in the win. There's no bre- there's no joy in the breakthrough for the AI. You'll the, say, the, man, the therapist sees joy. Wait, whoa, we had a breakthrough today. I'm sure that happens, Meredith. Where sometimes you're like, whoa. This I can't believe that happened today, and now this this client is doing you know a, a huge uh, woke up today a little bit in a way. I think something about that too matters, right? That Meredith gets to help people. It she matters gets something to out of it too. The, the, yeah. the AI won't ever care. No, it won't care at all. Right, and so so your breakthrough <laughs> but, doesn't matter.
1: But the people will be like, man, damn, my mental health is so great right now. But I miss having breakthroughs with real people. I don't know if you, you well, know why, why would your mental health just
2: be so good. I, it's just, I mean, I might I'm not be saying wrong, so
1: good, just better. Yeah, just improved. Thought, well, if the, uh, you might be you right. Know, I just don't see the, any any reason why it won't happen relatively soon. But more likely, let's think about what Meredith could do if she had a screen in front of her on her telecall – That had all kind of metrics and predictions and word suggestions and things that was coming up that the machine was reading from the person that you also had as tools to your disposal. Heart rate. It was say, and it was just flagging uh, clouds of words that it associates with words they're saying, and and it helps you narrow down what traumas it may be. Was that this eighty six percent is this, but fifteen percent is this, and you're seeing all that in real time. Right. That's like what the car diagnostic like a car. Yeah. Diagnostic yeah. Can and it's saying, 80 percent, you know, 80 percent chance of sexual trauma before age f- not like yeah. that's coming up in real time as she's talking and reading the pupil dilation readings. Right. And when all these things are combined, plus it has their data from the six weeks and their Internet searches in what it's yeah. feeding her if in, info on yeah. top of her natural skills and intuitions and training. So you have all that working mm-hmm. together. Then maybe you can start helping some people. Be a oh. robo therapist, like mixed. <laughs> That'd
0: be like pretty amazing. I, I, hope I'm alive to see that because I, I wouldn't. I'd be open to. I'd be pretty stoked to check that out.
1: I mean, you could do it. it, it the, all the technology almost exists now. Yeah, it's just not put together. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that's exciting. You know what I mean? But it's just the 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 jobs part of it is going to be is, is weird because it it'll probably be the prediction as it does in other industries is the top of the the best therapists will just destroy and they'll their efforts will be multiplied by machines and the people mm-hmm. that barely pass their class because i mean there's i mean a lot of therapists aren't very good therapists right i don't know i don't know
0: this the percentage <laughs> of how many are not good but there's a lot there's there's Oh
1: man. I I mean hadn't a, a lot of people a, had a lot of bad therapists.
0: Yeah, no, I would say like there's there's way more that are not great than I wish there was.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> um, of course.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, Meredith, I'm sorry that your job's gonna be gone, but look, <laughs> luckily AI <laughs> take AI won't take music or copywriting, right? Meredith? No, of no, it won't not. ever it won't ever step into that, I that what mean, you do,
3: Mary? <laughs> Grammarly. dot com can do my job, so <laughs> I'm fucked.
1: So everybody's screwed, <laughs> and I am no not oh, better than yeah. Grammarly.
3: I'll tell you that much.
1: Do you use t- AI tools to do copywriting? I mean, you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, I imagine that's what people are doing now, right? Yeah, because go- the, yeah. the Gmails predicting and text pretty well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't do anything. I don't currently use anything that basically writes for me, but I use things that will double check my grammar and maybe recommend better word choice or something like that. But for the most part, as of right now, it's pretty organically created for me. But who's to say that will or will not change? I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely stuff right now where you where it just you can write a paragraph and it will write the next paragraph. Good of a story. God. And it totally makes that sense. That was
3: in high school. That would for so, real.
1: Yeah, and it, you can't get caught with plagiarizing because it, it generates every time new. Mm. Like you can go to shortlyai.com and, and just check it out. I mean, you can go oh, look shit. you can go look Don't at it. people, people that yeah. It's just you can it's write over. something and then you tell it what it's you tell it what it's about and then you write it and then it continues to write it and you ask short chunk or long <laughs> chunk and it writes it in front of your eyeballs and you go you lose your mind. I mean, and, it, and, it, and it, <laughs> it, it is pulling the it's pulling the stuff by scanning the whole internet with GPT th- with GPT three, no. and then it just gives you what it thinks is predictive text at the
2: paragraph level. That's all. So you so you'll be able to have a new book whenever you want it, and you just go. Uh, I'm gonna start Kinda. this book. I'm gonna write a paragraph, and then it writes the whole book, and then you get to read that book.
1: Yeah. Basically,
3: a ghostwriter.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. I, I will. I will tell you what. I'm going to screen share you right now and show you, and you will you'll die. But somebody will have to read it out loud. Check this out. Hold on. Um. Okay. Can you see this screen right here? Somebody tell Let me, me. Get my readers.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Okay. So, uh. Okay.
2: I'm going to type in right now. This is shortlyai.com. And Matt's typing in. It says your title here. So yeah. go ahead and type in your title. Okay. So.
1: Let's tell you. Tell me what to type. We're gonna write a story. The There's, the red. Oh well go ahead. I was gonna write Toby's mom. <laughs> okay, Toby's mom.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so I'm gonna start writing. Tell me about your mom. Uh, my mom. Uh, anybody in the world would love Toby's mom. Okay. Why? Why are you typing? You're the worst. I know. <laughs> Anyone in Tagjeetha world would love Toby's mom. Okay. She is, is that all you're gonna write? No, tell me more. Uh, she is a funny lady who always has a story to tell. Okay. Has some, a yeah.
1: I can't do this. Sorry, but I'm gonna do it anyways. But some you can it funny check lady it out. Who
2: has a funny story to tell. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God! Matt just hit some button right. Oh, now it's right. All right, let me read it. Anyone in the world would love Toby's mom. she is fun <laughs> she's a funny lady who has a funny story to tell. You can tell she's a funny lady. She's a filmmaker. She does all these crazy things all the time. She is slightly bigger lady than me, and it's hard to tell because she is so funny. I don't, I don't know that, that that That's how I get through going? life. <laughs> She always joked about loving me, but not for real. Her friends always told her that they couldn't believe she was actually serious, but she always laughed them off. But there had never been a time in my life where I didn't want her to love me for real. <laughs> <laughs> so That's it, beautiful. Can I you, keep that?
1: You, you can yeah. give it a lot more uh, parameters than it can do right. really yeah, yeah, good, sure. but it can write a whole script amazing and stuff already. like that. You know? yeah. so it wow. just That's gives pretty you... amazing.
0: Oh, wow. Interesting. All right.
2: Well, Dang. <laughs> well, Matt, thanks for just squashing everything. I'm glad we had this conversation. We're talking about <laughs> therapy and how tough it is. The good the good and the bad. I'll tell you stuff, what you know? else is interesting. End it with we're all done with careers. We'll be plugged into our bed soon. Humans
3: are it. unnecessary.
2: <laughs> Completely <laughs> complete. I I wanted to ask Meredith one more thing. Meredith's been doing
1: jujitsu. I just wanted to hear how your oh. experience has been with that.
0: Oh my gosh. Um well, I hate, I have to confess, I haven't done it since before the pandemic. Oh, you, okay.
1: So <laughs> I was going to ask is cause I know you were doing it before and talking about it, but yeah. The pandemic, yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. I, I was doing it before the pandemic. Um, I, I, I think I might return back to it one day, but honestly it, it's intense. It, you have to really commit to it. It's not something that you can kind of half ass. Right. You have to be like all in, like it's, kind of your life and out of respect for that i i I'm, I'm not sure if it's for me but i I'm, I'm interested and i'm i i might i might return back to it at, at some point but i i i couldn't do do that right now not yeah
2: if, yeah. yeah not commit that much yeah very cool. All right. Cool. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us. Mary Beth, as always, thanks for being here. Us, thanks. So, thanks for having me. This is a little bit all over the place. I think the best part is probably my ZipRecruiter ad. I nailed it. It's pretty nailed awesome. It. Uh, that It, it kind of came out of nowhere and then it just like won everybody over. It was like I was the AI creating uh, mm-hmm. paragraphs that were just perfect. So, anyway. Beautiful. All right. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>